Hey guys, welcome to the Bitcoin Fortress podcast, helping you increase your financial freedom. This is episode 39, recorded on November 6th, 2022. This podcast is for entertainment only and is not investing advice, so please, please do your own homework. Okay, so uh, we'll do our weekly Bitcoin update this week. Um, if you're interested, uh, I won't be talking about it in the podcast, but I did do a blog post this week on the, the uh, housing market, just uh, an update from, I think I last uh, did an update in uh, September. So uh, things aren't looking too good there, uh, needless to say, but uh, check it out if you get some time. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. All right, jumping right into the uh, market update. So, uh, despite an inconclusive jobs report and contributed that contributed to choppy trading early in the session, stocks finished Friday with modest gains. The advance allowed the major U.S. equity averages to break a four-session losing streak, which was fueled by the Federal Reserve's refusal earlier this this week to make a definitive pivot from its ultra-hawkish stance. For the full week, the major averages finished lower, with the Dow down 1.4%, the S&P off 3.4%, and the NASDAQ clipping 5.7%. The tone was set when Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell warned that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than expected, and China reopening hopes faded. The 10-year Treasury yield ended the week at 4.18%, and the two-year yield stood at 4.67%. Looking ahead, the CPI report and the U.S. election loom next week as big events. And in the, the look ahead here, the U.S. election on November 8th will steer some attention away from investors locked in on the Federal Reserve. The consensus expectation is that a divided government between the White House and Congress will lead to more political gridlock and a potential slowdown for some of President Biden's agenda. Historians note the stock market has outperformed with a dividend with a divided government over the returns generated in the years following the same party controlling the Senate, the House, and the presidency. Analysts warn that a scenario that could rattle the market would be any lack of clarity with regard to Senate control if results are contested. Meanwhile, the economics calendar will be dominated by the October Consumer Price Index report. Earnings will also continue to roll in next week with Disney, Rivian Automotive, Roblox, and Neo, some of the notable reporters. The earnings season has been lackluster so far. In general, with only 70% of S&P 500 index companies posting better than expected earnings compared to 85% a year ago and 24% missing EPS estimates versus 13% a year ago. Outside the U.S., it will be another week of reading the tea leaves in China with Apple supplier Foxconn in the middle of a lockdown region that is slated to run through November 9th. Okay, moving on to Bitcoin news. So the first article here is from Cointelegraph, uh, and it was uh, updated today. 
And it's, uh, and I actually read this uh, article that's uh, talked about here in this, um, in this article. Uh, uh, so uh, it'll be interesting to see what their take is on it. But anyway, buying Bitcoin will quote, will quickly vanish when CBDCs launch, uh, according to Arthur Hayes. Bitcoin holders looking to avoid central bank digital currencies may have gained a surprise ally, banks. In his latest blog post titled Pure Evil, Arthur Hayes, the ex-CEO of crypto derivatives platform BitMEX, argued that banks may limit the impact of the CBDC horror story. CBDCs are currently in various stages of development worldwide. Fans of financial sovereignty naturally fear and even despise them as they imply total government control over everyone's money and purchasing power. A full frontal assault on our ability to have sovereignty over honest transactions between ourselves, said Hayes. Among opponents of CBDCs are not only Bitcoiners, however. Sharing the cause will likely be the commercial banks they've sought to oust from power with BTC. I believe that the apathy of the majority will allow governments to easily take away our physical cash and replace it with CBDCs, ushering in a utopia or dystopia of financial surveillance, the blog post explained. Hayes continued, but we have an unlikely ally that I believe will impede the government's ability to implement the most effective CBDC architecture for controlling the general populace, and that ally is the domestic commercial banks. In implementing a CBDC, a government could either make the central bank the only node in the digital network or use commercial banks as nodes in a less radical overhaul of the financial system. These systems Hayes calls the direct model and the wholesale model, respectively. Given that every country that has at least reached the choosing a CBDC model stage has opted for the wholesale model, it's clear that no central bank wants to bankrupt their domestic commercial banks, he reasoned. As such, <clears throat> to placate banks to a certain extent, but still achieve benefits such as eradicating cash, governments may ultimately be kept in check by the kind of entities known for limiting crypto exchange transactions and banning hodlers' accounts. For politicians who care more for power than profits, this is their chance to completely destroy the influence of too-big-to-fail banks, and yet they seem to remain politically unable to do so, Hayes added. Capital controls are coming. The topic of CBDCs received extensive attention even beyond the crypto industry as they represent a major shift in both money and politics. In an interview with Cointelegraph last week, Richard Werner, development economist and professor at De Montfort University, described them as a declaration of war. In other words, the bank regulator is suddenly saying we're gonna compete against the banks now because the banks have no chance. You can't compete against the regulator, he said. Hayes, meanwhile, flagged Bitcoin as a safe haven still available for those already opposed to any form of zero cash economy, but not for long. Buying Bitcoin will become increasingly difficult or perhaps outright impossible once CBDCs are implemented. This window won't last forever. Capital controls are coming. And when all money is digital and certain transactions are not allowed, the ability to purchase Bitcoin will quickly vanish, he warned, adding, if any of this doom porn resonates with you and you don't own at least a very small percentage of your liquid net worth in Bitcoin, 
the best day to have bought Bitcoin was yesterday. Uh, and, and it's kind of funny because I uh, follow Arthur Hayes and he's uh, always a good read. Uh, he publishes a lot of, uh, usually about once a month, an essay. And uh, this one in particular was great. So it was interesting to see that uh, someone else covered it. And uh, I'll be sure to uh, include a link in the uh, show notes to the actual uh, to, to the actual blog post. Uh, but needless to say, I, I agree. You, you need to own Bitcoin. You should own some Bitcoin. Um, and uh, there's no time like the present. Uh, moving on to the next article here. And this one's kind of interesting uh, in that uh, there's some folks that are concerned that this might uh, cause another liquidity crisis in the cryptocurrency industry, uh, not unlike the one that happened uh, recently that took down some of the uh, crypto exchanges and hedge funds that were highly leveraged and also um, wrecked the entire market, including Bitcoin. Um, but we'll we'll see. Um, anyway, this is from CoinDesk, and uh, this was uh, updated on November sixth today. Uh, Binance to sell rest of FTX token holdings as Alameda CEO defends firm's financial condition. So Binance's CEO responding to a CoinDesk scoop about trading firm Alameda Research's balance sheet tweeted Sunday that he will sell the remaining FTT tokens held on his books that he took on as part of his exit from Alameda's sister company FTX last year. Binance CEO Changpeng Cizi Zhao did not say how much FTT his firm will sell, but that as part of the cryptocurrency exchange's exit from FTX equity last year, Binance received roughly $2.1 billion worth in the form of BUSD. Binance's stablecoin, and FTT. Alameda CEO, meanwhile, tweeted that uh, her trading firm's financial condition is stronger than what was reflected by the balance sheet Coindesk wrote about. She also offered in a reply to the Binance CEO's post to buy his firm's FTT token holdings for $22 each. FTT saw extreme volatility amid the back and forth Twitter exchange. And I have a little chart in here. In his initial tweet, CZ said Binance's sale would be executed in a way that minimizes market impact and could take a few months to complete. Blockchain Explorer Etherscan showed an address moving 23 million FTT worth approximately 530 million to a Binance exchange wallet Saturday afternoon. The price of FTT declined 14% over a 24-hour period to 2202, its lowest price since June, according to CoinMarketCap. As of press time, the price of FTT rebounded to 2303. CZ's announcement comes after rumors swirled about the financial health of Sam Bankman-Fried's trading firm, Alameda Research, after a leaked balance sheet reviewed by Coindesk revealed the trading firm owned five. $5.8 billion of FTT tokens, including FTT tokens pledged as collateral as of June 30th. Alameda was revealed to have $14.6 billion in assets and $8 billion in liabilities, including $7.4 billion in unidentified loans. On Saturday, Alameda Research CEO Caroline Ellison responded to the rumors by tweeting that Alameda had over $1.5 
10 billion of assets not reflected on the leaked balance sheet. Ellison added that Alameda had undisclosed hedges in place and had already returned a bulk of their outstanding loans. CZ added that the sale of Binance's FTT holdings was not to be interpreted as a slight against the competitor exchange. We typically hold tokens for the long term, and we've held on to this token for this long, tweeted CZ. We stay transparent with our actions. Well, that's pretty interesting. If you think about it, if they're if their balance sheet is, uh, if they have 15, we'll call it $15 billion in assets and uh, a little more than a, a third are its own magical token, then uh, that's, uh, that's interesting. Um, wonder what makes up the rest of it. Anyway, so there's people that are suspecting that uh, CZ is trying to put uh, FTX out of business by uh, dumping his tokens, which uh, seem to make up a large portion of their assets on their balance sheet. So uh, stay tuned to that one. That could potentially royal the crypto market uh, next week and uh, could have some knock-on effects to Bitcoin, uh, especially if FTX uh, ends up having to dump uh, real assets, um, not not their F, you know their FTT token, but like Bitcoin or or other you know stable coins or things like that to shore up their finances. So more to come. Uh, the next article here is uh, from Bitcoin.com. This is uh, posted today. Circle starts moving USDC reserves into a BlackRock managed fund firm expects to be fully transitioned next year. Uh, in mid-April 2022, Circle detailed, and for those of you who don't know, Circle is uh, the parent company uh, that uh, created the uh, US dollar coin, which is basically a stable coin that um, matches up to the uh, U.S. dollar price. Um, it trades on the Ethereum network, and it has uh, actual assets backing it, equivalent to the amount of coins in circulation. And those assets are generally, I think, uh, U.S. Uh, Treasury securities and things of that nature. Um, they uh, are actually, I think, they have an audit done, and they have their you know, public disclosures of, of their assets, and they are 100% backed, uh, or so they've said, and so their audits have said. So um, so anyway, this is kind of interesting in that they're, uh, they're moving with to, you know, uh, uh, professional, you know, uh, you know, uh, fund manager, I guess, to, to hold these assets. Uh, so in mid-April 2022, the article says uh, Circle detailed that the company entered into an investment agreement with BlackRock, Inc., Fin Capital, Fidelity Management Research, and Marshall Waste LLP. The investment was a $400 million funding round, and during the announcement, BlackRock explained how Circle and the New York-based multinational investment company would expand the two companies' existing relationship. It was also revealed that BlackRock would be used by Circle for managing significant assets for the reserves that back USDC. So 
all these companies are investing in, in Circle, and then they, at that time, I guess, agreed to expand the relationship. Six months later, Circle disclosed on November 3rd, 2022, that the company would be deepening its relationship with BlackRock, and Circle started to move USDC reserves into a BlackRock-managed fund. Through our partnership with BlackRock, we have begun investing in the Circle Reserve Fund to manage a portion of the USDC reserves. Circle's Chief Financial Officer, Jeremy Fox Green, explained. Circle CFO added, we expect the reserve composition will continue to be approximately 20% cash and 80% short duration U.S. Treasuries. The investment objective of the Circle Reserve Fund, USDXX, is to seek current income as is consistent with liquidity and stability principle. Circle is the only investor and the fund invests in at least 99.5% of its total assets in cash, U.S. Treasury bills, notes, and other obligations. According to Circle's announcement, the company hopes to be fully transitioned by the end of March 2023. Circle says the fund is held by the Bank of New York Mellon, as the financial institution has already been a custodian for USDC's reserves that are comprised of U.S. Treasuries. Circle's announcement on November 3rd follows the number of USDC in circulation decreasing rapidly during the last few months. Additionally, in mid-June, Circle announced the launch of a Euro-backed stablecoin called Eurocoin. Marcus Borston, Circle's Director of Engineering, announced this week at a Solana-centric conference that EURC would be minted on Solana next year. Um, so that's interesting. It seems like uh, the, in, the, in the world, there's demand for, for Bitcoin for savings, and then there's really demand for dollars uh, in the form of stable coins for, for transacting. And uh, a lot of um, interviews I've listened to recently have talked about that, um, especially in, you know, um, developing countries, countries with hyperinflation. Um, they want to save in Bitcoin, but they want to be able to transact in dollars, but it's really hard to get dollars. Um, but it's easier to get um, cryptocurrency like US dollar coin or Tether, or things of that nature. So uh, there definitely seems to be a, a need for stable coins and, um, and uh, USDC seems to be um taking some steps to uh further i guess uh shore themselves up so that they're legitimate in the eyes of uh regulators i guess okay moving on uh to the next article here this is also from bitcoin.com also this was updated uh, a couple days ago um tim draper extends Bitcoin price prediction by six months. By mid-2023, I'm expecting to see Bitcoin hit $250,000. So normally I don't like talking about price predictions, but this one just seemed kind of interesting. So uh, we'll see what Tim Draper has to say. Tim Draper spoke at a three-day Web Summit 2022 event this year and explained that he's a fan of bear markets. The billionaire investor detailed during his discussion that the crypto winter is the venture capitalist's favorite time to be investing. Draper is a well-known VC in the crypto industry, but he's also backed prominent companies such as Tesla, SpaceX, Robinhood, DocuSign, Ring, Skype, and Baidu. 
a few years ago, Draper was asked what he thought the future price of Bitcoin would be in four years after he correctly predicted the crypto asset would cruise past 10,000 per unit. In mid-April, the billionaire investor attended a party hosted by his blockchain-centric Draper University. At the event, Draper explained that he believed Bitcoin could reach $250,000 by 2022. On Twitter, Draper wrote, Serious winds of change at our blockchain party last night. I predicted 250k by 2022. In June 2021, Draper doubled down on his 250k forecast, and during an interview a year later, Draper told Scott Melker, aka the Wolf of All Streets, that by the end of this year, early next year, Bitcoin would hit its his 250,000 target. Amid the bear market this year and speaking at the Web Summit 2022 conference, Draper said Bitcoin is essentially protection against bad government governance. While the 250K prediction still rings true with Draper today, he's added a six-month extension to his forecast. Draper said, by mid-2023, I'm expecting to see Bitcoin hit $250,000. Draper also said he expects women to be the top demographic of retail investors that will help take the price of Bitcoin to the 250K region. The commentary was similar to the statements he made during his interview with the Wolf of All Streets last June. The surge of Bitcoin demand will stem from retail spending, Draper insisted at the Web Summit 2022 event. Draper also explained that right now, it's not easy to use Bitcoin for stuff like food, clothing, and shelter. However, once retail spenders can utilize Bitcoin, Draper wholeheartedly believes there will be no reason to hold on to fiat currency. The venture capitalists also spoke about stable coins and noted while they're a good bridge to Bitcoin, they are centralized and in the end, they are meaningless in comparison. While speaking about stable coins, Draper mentioned the now defunct Terra stable coin UST and the blockchain's native token Luna. Draper remarked to the interviewer that the Terra crafted stable coin concept was, quote, built wrong. So, uh, I don't know what the price of Bitcoin is going to be, but I do agree with his comment that, uh, you know, you definitely want to hedge yourself against fiat currency. Uh, and I think Bitcoin is probably the best way to do that. The stable coins do serve a purpose, but I think I agree with him that it's really no different than holding fiat currency. So um, Bitcoin is, is a better uh, form of savings. And, uh, and there is a lot of work going on in the space to develop out the, the Lightning Network. They are having some bugs and some issues with it, but um, there's a lot of people working on um, uh, payment technology on the second layer of the Bitcoin network that um, has a lot of potential. So um, I'm sure we'll see more in the next year or two. And finally, a uh, nice opinion piece here um, that I thought I would share. This is Coindesk. It was written by George Kaloudis, and uh, this was updated on November 6th. And the title is Bitcoin Magic Internet Money Again Proves Less Volatile Than Stocks. After the smattering of U.S. central bankers who set the Federal Reserve's interest rate benchmark met last week, the smattering issued a press release that outlines their new monetary policy, raising rates by 75 basis points. Ben Powell, who leads the smattering, speaks at a press conference, giving introductory remarks before he answers questions from financial journalists. 
in our modern era of information overload, the market tends to react to the press release and then to the introductory statement and then to the answers to the financial journalist questions. So imagine my annoyance during last Wednesday's November edition of Fed policymakers change rates and then Powell talks about it. Just look at the S&P 500 and they, he put a chart in here. I'll, I'll include a link to the article uh, like I normally do. Uh, which tracks the performance of most of the U.S. stock market and how it behaved during the afternoon's proceedings. It went up with the press release, down with the introductory statement, and then down some more amid the questions from the press. Again, imagine my annoyance. Just picture a guy shaking his fist at a computer screen because of visceral market reactions due to another guy saying some stuff. This is my take as to why this happened. The market was looking for any signal of the, quote, slowdown of interest rate hikes Powell handed out a few rate hikes ago. And it found <clears throat> that in the press release. But when Powell started talking, markets reinterpreted what they just heard, especially because of this comment. And this is a quote. At some point, as I've said in the last two press conferences, it will become appropriate to slow the pace of increases as we approach the level of interest rates that will be sufficiently restrictive to bring inflation down to our 2% goal. There is significant uncertainty around that level of interest rates. Even though, even so, we still have some ways to go. And incoming data since our last meeting suggests that the ultimate level of interest rates will be higher than previously expected. He was later asked about lag effects, aka the time between the Fed's rate increases and, and its actual economic impact. And Powell dropped the bombshell about it being premature to talk about a rate hike pause. The S&P 500 puked. What's more, the S&P 500 got whipped around even more than Bitcoin, you know, the famously volatile magic internet money. The Fed press release came out at 2 p.m. Eastern time. The S&P 500's gain gain peaked at 0.7% about a half hour later, but it ended the day down 2.3%. Meanwhile, Bitcoin peaked at a post-Fed post press release gain of 1.3% and ended with a 1.5% loss. Volatility has a specific definition, and two weeks is hardly statistically significant, but this marks the second week in a row when Bitcoin's relative stability showed the stock market a who the adult in the room was. I've been waiting a long time to write this and actually mean it from a market's perspective at least, but honey badger really doesn't care. The honey badger being an endearing term Bitcoiners use to describe Bitcoin. In the last few weeks, we've seen the Fed signal a willingness to keep raising rates to get inflation down, a hot jobs report, and general macroeconomic uncertainty that pushed both the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100 another U.S. stock market proxy down. Meanwhile, Bitcoin rose. I know this could change easily overnight, but for the time being, it looks like Bitcoin is shrugging off the uncertainty. My colleague Glenn Williams Jr. puts it best. The world turns, but the asset often criticized for its volatility has not, or certainly not as much as leading equity indexes this year. My conclusion is one of two things. Either Bitcoin has now truly arrived as a macro asset or value is meaningless again since Dogecoin, a cryptocurrency that's quite literally created as a joke, doubled in price in October. And that was probably because uh, this is my commentary on that, but it's probably because uh, Elon Musk is a big uh, Dogecoin uh, supporter. And of course, he took over Twitter and there's people speculating that he's going to 
use Dogecoin for payments on Twitter or something like that. So anyway, uh, yes. So once again, uh, and I talked about Bitcoin volatility, um, I think in last week or maybe the week before uh, this episode, and um, it's definitely uh, been um, much, much less than um, than uh, stocks and bonds, um, which if you're buying at these levels, uh, feels pretty good. If you bought at 60,000, doesn't feel too good. But uh, if you're holding it for the long term, like, like you should, um, it really shouldn't matter. And now's a good time to be adding to your, to your position. Okay, well, that's it for the week. Um, be back next week. Um, I'm attending the Pacific Bitcoin Conference in uh, in LA uh, Thursday, Friday of uh, next week. So I'm looking forward to that. And um, maybe next week's episode, I'll devote to sort of wrapping that up um, and sharing um, what I saw and what I liked. Okay, so thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please like and leave a comment. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. You can also follow my Substack at bitcoinfortress.substack.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at Nick Reichert. Talk to you next week. Bye-bye.